Hey, hey, guys, welcome into another episode of Kicking Off with me, Kevin Egan, and thank you so much for all the love and support so far with the ratings and reviews. This week, we've got a very special guest in my mind, a great guy, a fellow who's had a marvellous career in the Premier League, but a career derailed by a knee injury that just wouldn't go away. He tells me the harrowing story of how his father passed away en route to see him play against Spurs for West Ham in a motorbike accident. He then talks about the real Gareth Bale from playing with Bale at international level and how Scott Parker will do managing Fulham. Today, we're kicking off with Jack Collison. Jack Collison, brilliant to see you. I've got to start, Jack, from the bright lights of the Premier League to a suburban dad in Georgia. How's that going for you? <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, the pandemic's certainly been a, a challenge. You could say the two kids have probably been the hardest challenge I've ever had yet. Um, homeschooling etc but look it's great fun and I'm certainly loving it out here so it's, it's been a good journey so far yeah you're with Atlanta United you're coaching the U17s you, you've been coaching now for whatever five years really yeah. haven't you yeah no I've, I've, I've uh, I mean I'm loving it um, <laughs> obviously there's nothing better than playing a beautiful game is there Kev you know what I mean living out your dream day in day out and I mean for me I wanted to stay in and around it and I wasn't sure whether coach would be for me and it was uh, a certain Barry Fry at Pete Reunited massive character <laughs> one day I'm in the changing room with a first team trying to trying to play and the next day I'm chucked in front of a load of <laughs> under 18s uh, coming in coach impress us I'd never never run a session nothing like that but I mean, it was great and instantly it hooked me and it's, it's now the thing that sort of gets me up early in the morning, inspires me to want to be better and yeah, I think the fact that I had to retire early obviously means I'm further along my coaching journey now and, and gives me a chance to hopefully be the best I can be at that. Yeah, once breaking through, Jack, as, as the next big thing at West Ham and, and we'll talk about the knee injury and what that did to your career, um, still a phenomenal career at that, but when you were breaking through at the beginning, there was a coach that I'd love to ask you about because he was great at bringing through younger players, and that's the legend himself, Gianfranco Zola. When you think about Junior Stanislav, uh, Zavon Hines, yourself, yeah. uh, James Tompkins, you guys were all given big breaks by him. What was he like as a coach? Oh, Kev, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, I, I was actually a Chelsea fan as a kid. My dad was mad Chelsea, and we used to go down there a lot. So, I mean, I was fortunate enough to go watch him in the flesh, and... I mean, going and watch, I wouldn't even watch the game. You'd just watch him, the yeah. way it'd flow. It, it was just like, it was poetry. Like, you could just sit there and just watch his movements, his, his little movement away from the ball and things like that. So, obviously, growing up, seeing him and, and for me, one of the greatest players to ever play in the Premier League. Um, and, I mean, when there was a whisper that he was coming in, we were all sort of hoping and praying. And, and then all of a sudden, he comes in. And, I mean, we had quite a lot of young lads in and around the first team at the time. And, new manager comes in, you always think, right, this is going to be me, this is going to be my chance. And I mean, he, he come in first day of training, player short, whips his top off, he's there, ripped up still, he comes in, right, I'm in. Grabs his bib, playing a two-touch game, the ball is pinged into him and he manages to sort of Cruyff turn and spin and he leaves James Collins in a heap on the floor and he dinks Rob Green from about 25 yards. And we've, Kev, we've stood there in amazement. We're just all, we're, we're all clapping him. Um, and he actually apologised to us. I think it hit him that, right, I'm a coach now. <laughs> I can't be embarrassing these, these idiots out here anymore. And, um, so, no, it, it was great. I mean, from day one, he had us. And I think the biggest compliment you can give Zola, unbelievable player. And, and sometimes when you get big players, they're uh, okay people. But he was a greater man than he was a player. And the really? way he was around the training ground, the way he was with all the staff, the kitchen staff, the physios, 
and he, he just brought us all together. And I mean, for us young lads who were on the fringes, he would stay and do extras with us after, we'd do free kicks, practice your first touch. And obviously having someone to learn off like that, when the time come and he actually put you into the, into the fire, you could say, you were ready to run through a brick wall for him. And certainly with me, I had to wait probably two or three months and he gave me a couple of sniffs and then played away at Old Trafford. Two days later, someone got injured, a common at Everton had scored. And then after that, he, he chucked me in most weeks. So it was, it was a great experience. And as I said, the biggest compliment for him that just as a man, he was just an incredible person. I have, do you know what I took away from that that comment <laughs> was the fact that he knew all the kitchen staff's name and he created that culture within the club that's, that was just so positive to be around. And it's so hard to find, I think, sometimes. I, I heard stories, you know, Atlanta United well, as do I, and I've heard stories about Tata Martino and his time with Atlanta yeah. United and before he left, inviting the kitchen staff over to cook them an Argentine grill. Yeah, and classic. I love hearing those stories <laughs> because it's, it's not easy and you, not everyone has that personality in order to create that positive culture, do they? No, I, f- I think so. And that's the biggest thing. And I mean, people who are lucky enough to work in and around football clubs, you know, it's not just the 11 players, the squad of 20 you see. There's so much that goes into it. And for the boys to function, they, they need the kitchen staff, they need the secretary, they need the cleaners to make sure everything's spot on. And certainly at a club like West Ham with all the history you've got you've got Pete the kit man who's been there 50 years you've got Anita in the office who's been there 30 years Shirley's been there for God knows how long and for him to come in and just really embrace the culture and the history of the club and you could just see how close it brought everyone and I mean that first season we were we were unbelievable under him yeah. we should have really got into Europe but some of the football we were playing and I think just that real feel-good factor around the place it, it was fun to be around Training was, was good fun. We had a real good squad and, and we were winning more games than we were losing. So certainly for a, for a period, that was a, a real enjoyable time in my career. He was sacked. Avram Grant was brought in. Was that a good decision? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Look, I, I think we Get off the fence, Carlison. <laughs> I think he would have kept us up quite easily. And I mean... Unfortunately, I missed Zola's last few games. Uh, it was the start of the end for me, really, in terms of injuries, which, which was a bit disappointing. But, I mean, Avram come in, and for me, I, I missed his entire time. So my, my first ever game under Avram Grant after 14 months, so 14 months out injured, fought to get back, got back all excited, played Wigan away, first start, 2-0 uh, up, cruising. Connor Salmon comes on, changes the bloody game. We lose 3-2, we get relegated. Waiting on the bus after, Avram gets the sack. <laughs> so, so, what a day that is. I mean, it's mixed emotions for me, but watching on from afar, Avram was a... He, he was hard work. He, he just didn't... He didn't understand. When you talk about understanding the culture in Zola, Avram had no idea what, what hit him when he came to West Ham. It's a real unique club, and, and that sort of hard work, uh, first one in, last one out, um, be a real person of the people. He, he just didn't really understand it and embrace it. And ultimately he struggled. And for me, it was one of the hardest periods, one, being injured, and two, watching on with this wonderful squad of players, a, a team who was really struggling and ultimately got relegated from the Premier League. And you were too young to go through all that with your knee injuries. Knee injury happening when you were 20 years of age. 2009, all round, Jack, was a pretty shocking year for you, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you years. <laughs> yeah, you've had better years, but, uh, you, you, you know, and thank you for talking and be, being willing to talk about this now. You win Young Hammer of the Year uh, in 2009, but 
you do your knee in for the first time, don't you? You dislocate your knee away against Wigan as well, wasn't it? Yeah, good memories of that place, Kev. And I actually went on loan there and, and struggled. <laughs> I was awful at Wigan. and missed the penalty in the semi-final of the FA Cup. Oh, <laughs> I was about to say the Wigan hat-trick, but it's the Wigan quadruple. <laughs> I know, tell me about it. Um, but no, yeah, two, 2009 was, was difficult. And I mean, you're, I'm always going to have that sort of what if, I suppose, at the back of my mind. And Probably the biggest disappointment for me, I'd, I'd just got in the team, was playing well, uh, played 20, 25 games, doing really well, playing for Wales. Um, three days before the Wigan game, scored a winner against Man City to, to beat them 1-0 when they're just starting to get their money and all of a sudden I dislocate my knee. And that's, probably it, the, that's exactly it, Jack, and that we shouldn't yeah. skip over that because I remember, I remember that game, actually, the, the West Ham or the Man City game. And when I was looking this up again and doing my research before this, I, I was thinking three days difference between scoring the winner at Man City at, at a strange time in Man City's history, really, when they were starting to be turned around, weren't they? Um, yeah. And becoming a huge force. And then three days later, the start of what was the derailment of your career with that knee injury that would persist over time. Like from top to bottom, like within the space of three days. Yeah, it, it, it was mental and... I mean, hard to tell. I mean, when I first done it, I, I knew it was a bad one straight away. But the hardest thing now looking back was that I was never, ever fully fit after that. I mean, as a, a feeling sort of anywhere near 100%, I probably got 20, 25 games out of it. And now, obviously, looking back, I look at it two ways. One, what could have been. Or the other way, actually, I got over 100 games out of it for West Ham. And, yeah. and you know what I mean? Managed to get to 25, 26 and having some sort of career that I really enjoyed and, and got loads out of. I think that's the way you should look at it. You know, yeah. the, the fact that you, a lot of people would have just walked away, uh, you know, with persistent problems like that, especially what happened in August. You were playing for West Ham. You got yourself back fit again against Spurs. Your dad, Ian, on the way to see you play, involved in a, a motorbike accident that cost him his life. You know, you, you had no idea until when, Jack? Uh, <laughs> Well, I remember going, so my, my dad was a bit of a rogue, to be honest, Kev. He, he, was, he was very very up and down. Like, don't get me wrong, he was my idol. I absolutely idolised him. And it was because of him that I got into football. I used to follow him around and beg him to go down the park. And we'd be playing football in the front room every single night, breaking stuff. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's a massive reason in, in terms of why I pursued the career. Um, he could be inconsistent at times. Some weeks he'd be there, other weeks he'd be be out and about or doing things. And I mean, we finished the game at Tottenham, and I've gone in the pub to see him. Not in the pub, in the bar afterwards, where all yeah. the families and that are. Couldn't see him, and I didn't think anything of it to be honest. I just thought maybe something's come up or he's missed the game. And I get back to my apartment, and then all of a sudden there's police outside, and. I just had a real sickening feeling straight away. I, I knew something wasn't quite right. It kind of dawned on me and, and sort of hit me then. And Did you think it was like that? I, I, had a, I had a really sickening feeling that, that something was completely wrong. And it just it twigged in me, I suppose. I like, hold up, you weren't at a game. Like, what's going on here? And obviously, they come up and, and tell me the news. And it just, I didn't know what to do. It just completely, completely threw me. And I mean... One minute I'm I'm there, do you know what I mean? Ready to ready to go out and enjoy my Saturday, and the next minute I'm hit with that. Um, so yeah, it was it was certainly a very difficult time. Um, Did you have, have any family nearby? Not really. I had to drive back from Essex to Bedfordshire to to obviously see my mum, and 
I mean, I was the first person who found out. So I had to ring my mum and obviously you've got your brothers and sisters and half sisters and things like that. So, I mean, that was, that was a real sort of difficult few hours, but it's funny, Kev, I look back now and I probably didn't really get a chance to ever mourn it properly until probably until I'd finished playing. Cause I, I mean, I had to be really strong at the time for my brother and my sister, all my family. I was obviously the head of the family at the time. And you were um, only 20, Jack. Yeah, 20 years old. So in terms of sort of stepping up and making sure everyone was okay. And um, I mean, football was a, a wonderful release in terms of going and just losing myself and being able to go and get back to some sort of normality in terms of training and playing games and things like that. But it never really gave me a chance to sort of mourn properly. And as I, as I said, it probably wasn't until I actually finished playing and sort of stepped back and took a bit of a time to breathe that actually sort of really hit me what had actually happened. Um, and I, I probably, yeah, it was probably about two or three years late where it really sort of, I was like, wow, actually. And then slowly over time, obviously things get a little bit easier and, and, and you slowly sort of come to terms with it. But, but there's still times where obviously I really miss him and lots of big milestones in my life where obviously I'd have loved him to be there, playing at Wembley, winning the playoffs having my two beautiful little girls, things like that, where it's obviously a little bit difficult, but these, these things happen. And along with sort of the knee injury and, and losing my dad at a young age, these are the sort of things that I think really shape you and build that resilience. And, and certainly with me, having a lot to deal with at a very young age, I think puts me in a good position now to, to sort of be in the job I'm in, in terms of being able to coach, but not just coach, try and look after the person and, and try and, understand maybe what certain people are going through at different stages, whether they're injured, whether they're having a tough time at home. I feel it gives me a real good sort of base to try and give some, some advice and, and use some of my experience to try and help others. That's an incredible point because you, you now as a coach probably look at 11 or 18 different individuals and how you can manage and coach each one of these individual human beings rather than branding them all with one brush and treating every single person the same. Because when this all hits you at 20 years of age, you were probably in some ways lucky, in some ways unlucky because you were in the public eye and you, had, you played a game two days later, which I still to this day can't believe. You, you played against Millwall in a derby uh, that ended up having all sorts of violence involved outside the stadium. And, and, and this was yeah, just was emotional. <laughs> I mean, give us a sense of just how wild that was. And if that, if that ever sank in that you were playing during such a tough time. I think, I think that was, it was, it was crazy. I mean, as I said, my dad was quite a lively character and he used to go drink down the pub with all the fans before the game and things like that. And I just know how excited he was for the Millwall game. Really? He grew up around London and used to go watch all the games and that. And I remember speaking to the manager, obviously, after it all, all had happened. And he said, look, what do you want to do? If you want time away, take as long as you need. If you want to come in, come in. I, I said to him, I want to play against Millwall. And I think, <laughs> I think he was a little bit taken aback. And luckily, he didn't stick me on the bench. That would have been hard work, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So this was Zola, was, yeah? Yeah, so Zola. So um, I didn't train at all leading up to the game. He said, be, be here to meet the coach. Um, we'll go do pre-match, etc., and try and treat it like a normal game. Um, and obviously, I'd been at home with my family for a few days, and I remember just getting on the coach, and I just wanted to burst into tears. I, I just... It was just seeing everyone's face looking at you, because no one knows what to say. What, what can you say? Nothing's going to make it better, and... 
it's one of them. Do they act normal, give you a bit of banter, give you a bit of stick? Do they say sorry? And it's just, it's a real strange atmosphere. And we go to pre-match, and obviously when we're coming back after our pre-match, you see all the fights, all the, all the pubs being smashed up, everything's going on. You could see luckily, that. Yeah, luckily that took a little bit of focus away from me probably because all the boys are out the window seeing what's going on and it, it gave me a chance just to breathe and, and kind of relax. And you get through it and got through it and managed to get through the warm-up. And then once again, as we're walking out for kickoff, a just huge wave of emotion and it's like, oh, God. <laughs> can I do this? And then you get out there and you see the lights and you see the fans and all of a sudden it's right. We're in, we're into the game. And I mean, we went one nil down. Um, thank God for junior Stanislas popping up late. Cause there's no way we could have lost that game. And thankfully junior scores. And I'm not a man of many regrets, Kev, but we actually got a penalty in extra time at one, one and juniors on pens and he come up with a ball. We went, go on, go on. Do you want to take it? Yeah, and I shit myself. I thought, nah, Junior, you used to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Junior, go on. Because like, Junior wouldn't miss a vote. He's class. He's technically unbelievable. And, and he just, offered it to you? Yeah, he offered it to me. What a I man. Mean, I, I hit the post in normal time, but he offered it to me. And I thought, nah, do you know what? I'd just take it. And obviously, Junior scores. And um, But looking back now, I wish I had the, uh, the cojones, as Troy Dini would say, to sort of step up and take it. It would have been a nice way to sign it off. Um, yeah. But, I mean, the great thing, Zav, Zavon Hines scores as well in extra time. Someone who I'd grown up with, lived in digs with, lived in houses with. And obviously, just to have one of your mates do that was, was class. And it was just a real nice evening in terms of that. And I mean, people always want to talk about the fans on the pitch and the stoppages and things like that. But I mean, for me, it was a, a young 20-year-old just seeing all the people behind come together. A lot of the fans just wishing you well. Do you know what I mean? And... And then people in there carried me that night in terms of getting me through it. Yeah. And then once again, the whistle goes and it's like, right, now back to normality. And yeah, yeah it, was, it was certainly a, a tough evening. Um, but it's one that I'm really glad I've done. And probably now, uh, when I speak to West Ham fans, it's, it's certainly one that lives in their memory. And, and they, yeah. they, they quite often want to talk about it. And it's, it's nice for me now to sort of be able to honor my dad in that way, the way that... It, he would have probably liked it. Do you know what I mean? Going, you're seeing his son out there playing football, yeah. local derby, bit, bit of trouble in the stands and all that. So yeah. it, was, um, it was a strange experience, but a, a wonderful experience at the same time. It probably gave your family, your mom and siblings and everyone involved, all your local friends, your dad's friends, it probably gave them all a big lift that night. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that's, that's, I'd like to think me trying to get back to some sort of normality, especially... My, my sort of brother and my sisters and all of that in terms of just trying to help them get over it because I think where it was just so sudden it just come out of the blue no one knew what to what to do or, or how to act and as I said I was quite lucky in terms of getting that release with football being able to chuck myself into something and I was sort of finding my feet again and once again I decided to get injured probably about six or seven games after that and then it was after then that I had to have sort of the the long period off so I mean it was a difficult time it got to a point that season where I was training on a Friday playing on a Saturday missed the rest of the week train Friday play Saturday and it was it was a, a, a certainly a tough period I can't imagine. And with your dad and the injury and doubts about your career, maybe at the time, obviously you're only 20 years of age. So the temptation is to go out and have a laugh and have fun and, and, and just do what 20 year olds do any average 20 year old. If, if Jack Collison now, the father of two and a coach 
could speak to the 20 year old back then now I mean, would you give any advice at all or would you have played it all out like you did no I'm, as I said I'm not a man of many regrets do you know what I mean and I think the biggest thing for me being a being a young footballer was probably the what I dreamt of from such a young age and knowing how much pride my dad got out of seeing me put on the kit and go out there and and sort of live out my dream was was massive to me and I think the fact that even through all them difficult times I was still focused on my football and yeah. still doing the right things and still trying everything I can to, to sort of get my knee into some sort of shape to get on the pitch I, I think that was the right way to go about it and, and for me the only way I could go about it. Absolutely what was it like playing for Wales against England? You grew <laughs> up you were born in England <laughs> Can you imagine the stick I got before that game? <laughs> Jesus, it was... Uh, this is yeah, a qualifier, like, European qualifier in 2000, 2011. Qualifier yeah. for And this was the game that made you a Welsh international. You had played friendlies before, but this was the one that locked you down and it just so happened to be against England and a lot of guys you know very well. Yeah, it was, um, it was mental. I, once again, the lead up to the game, I, I think I was struggling a bit leading up to the game. I'm thinking, oh, will I, will I get in? Will, will, won't I? Sort of thing. And um, I mean, it was massive. There was such a big build-up around that. And we felt we had a really good squad at Wales. Obviously, the young boys were just starting to make names for themselves. Aaron Ramsey, obviously Gareth Bale was absolutely flying at the time. But we were absolutely fearless as a group. And we actually went into the game thinking, do you know what? We're, we're going to turn these lot over. And uh, yeah, it was, it was quite a tight game. I think Rob Earnshaw missed an absolute sitter at the end. Sorry, Ernie. So, <laughs> sorry. sorry. I think, I'm sure it was Ernie. missed an absolute sitter at the end to get us something out of the game. But um, what an experience. Wembley Stadium, all my friends, all my family and uh, England fans uh, wanting you to lose. Uh, and England had a fantastic team out that yeah. night. Rooney, Lampard, John Terry. So, yeah, no, it was a great experience. And, I mean, for, for me, once I'd made the decision to sort of step into that Welsh dressing room and put on the Welsh shirt, that was always going to be me. And I'm very thankful for the opportunities I got through that Welsh, with that Welsh squad. And, I mean, even in them under-21s camps, you could really feel there was something special brewing. Mm -hmm. do, do you know what I mean? The, the players we had around us, um, the sort of football we were playing you, you felt that in a few years time that something good was going to happen and obviously that will come together in, in the Euros in 2016 getting to the semi-final and, and all them young players your Joe Allens for me Ramsey was probably one of the players at the tournament Gareth Bale was just doing ridiculous things so to see all them sort of go through that 21 period and then all of a sudden it come together in the Euros was just unbelievable did you have any idea when you were playing with Gareth Bale at the time that he'd go on to have the success he's had at Real Madrid? He was special, you could tell. That special, though? The, the funny thing, you know, you, you come to a training session and people are messing a bit of free time before and you're messing about, kicking a ball about or playing two-touch or something. So I'll just sit there sometimes, filling with my boots and watching Bailey and just the way he would hit these balls. He'd be messing about with Chris, Bunt, Chris Gunter, smashing balls at him or hitting free kicks into the top corner. And it was just completely effortless. And he, he just absolutely loved it. You can see when he puts that Welsh shirt on what it means to him. And he was head and shoulders above the rest of us. And I think the, the great thing was we knew if we could keep it tight as a team, if we defended well, if James Collins and Gabs would, would put in a performance at the back, we knew if we had one sniff, one chance that Gareth Bale could go win us a game single-handedly. And, and that's a great weapon to have in any team, isn't it? 
He's always so clutch, though, for Wales, isn't he? So big time. In oh, yeah, them, them big moments. Do you know what I mean? Them real big moments. Qualifiers to, to get us to the Euros. And the Euros scored so many important goals. He, he just seems to embrace that sort of the, the pressure and the expectation when he puts on the Welsh shirt. But Should he go back to the Premier League? I'm sorry, go, Kevin, go ahead. I'm thinking of a funny story, actually. So I was in the Welsh squad when this, uh, when this move to Real Madrid was sort of happening. And... Um, Obviously, the, the press were following him about and hounding him like mad. And he would he'd disappear out with a towel over his head and things like that. He'd find ways to try and get out. And I, uh, I remember he actually went and thought he could go to Nando's in Cardiff Bay, as you do. Probably the biggest story in the entire press. And he tries to wander out and goes to Nando's in Cardiff Bay. <laughs> did he get away from it? No, did he? He had about 200 people outside Nando's trying to get some free chicken out of him. <laughs> it was worth it, though. Nando's is yeah. worth it. Oh, you do anything for a Nando's. There's one thing I miss being over here. One, one yeah. thing the, uh, the Atlanta boys love was Nando's over in England. You can order the sauce. Hey, shout, order shout out to Nando's. Any reps listening? Me and yeah. Kev will take some, some freebies over here, eh? <laughs> should, should Bale go back to the Premier League, do you think? Because yeah. I, I, look at, I look at what he's done in Spain, scoring over 100 goals for Real Madrid, and not just your average goals. You're talking about Copa del Rey winners against Barcelona, Champions League Champions winner against League. Liverpool. yeah. Yeah, like has he still got enough to offer when if he was to go back to the Premier League? Oh, for me to offer, yeah, I, f- I think you could go into any team, and I'm talking City. I think Liverpool. For me, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at Man United. Um, there was a lot of talk him going Man United before he went to Real Madrid, and I think that could be a real good fit for him. And and obviously the the Tottenham one's a, a big one with what they're building there now and the new stadium. You could quite easily see him going back there and. You're right. It's, it's, it's a strange one that he hasn't really got the respect out in Spain. Mm-hmm. You talk about big moments, big goals, some of the stuff he was doing. It just seems like he's probably not going to outlive the manager at the moment and probably not going to get much football next season. You know what? I think it's injuries. I've, I've commentated on his games and there's something about him that's, and you know him as a person, he, he sometimes looks like he doesn't care to the average person, but you know he does. You can see it under moments when he's bursting it to get on the end of a play or something like that. And you just sometimes see the body language and you question that with Gareth Bale. But then you look at the results, you look at what he's done for the club throughout. Yeah, I think it's, it's a tough one. I think every, every player wants to be loved, no matter who you are. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whether you're Cristiano Ronaldo, you look at the Messi situation now. Yeah. Players want to feel loved and they want to feel important. And especially a big player like that who's gone for all the money, who's been performing in terms of goals, assists, appearances over the over the years, and for one reason or another, it just hasn't worked out. And look, I think he's got an awful lot to offer. He he loves the game. People say, "Oh, he's too focused on his golf." No, don't don't get it twisted. Gareth Bale loves football. He, he's he's passionate about it. And as I said, when he puts on the Welsh shirt, you can see what it means to him. He goes into that camp. He's the main man. Everyone's looking to him. The fans are all looking to him. He could have a he could have a terrible game and everyone's still applauding him off. And I think you give a player that confidence and just that real self belief. They're going to play to the the peak of their their abilities, and maybe that's what he needs. Maybe he needs a, a change. Come back to the Premier League. I think West Ham are looking for sort of a left winger or a right winger wherever he wants to play. That'd be a nice one, wouldn't it? <laughs> left back. I'll never forget yeah. those headlines. Alex McLeish closing in on Gareth Bale for Birmingham City back. Oh. Really 21 or something like that. You played with Scott Parker for years. Scott Parker had yeah. a manager of Fulham. Did you see a coach in him when you were playing at a much younger age? 
Yeah, 100%. Scotty, Scotty for me is the best player I've ever played alongside. And Re- including Bale, Ramsey? For me, yeah. And just okay. in terms of... If, <laughs> He, uh, I mean, a young player breaking through. I played. Scotty was at the base of the diamond. I played on the right or left, and with Scotty, wherever wherever you got the ball, Scotty would be available to receive it. You got yourself in a tight situation. You'd want the ball. Yes. Someone would kick you. Scotty would come in and, and and kick him back twice as hard. Just just things like that. And I think with Scotty, he used to set the standards every day in training. The way he trained was just incredible and you could see his leadership skills right from a right from an early age he wasn't the biggest talker but when it comes to to game day he was a man possessed and I mean I I watched him do some incredible things his his team talk away at Wigan where West Ham come down from come back from 3-0 down at half time that was Scotty Parker um I've watched him play play a game where he'd missed all training all week ill. He's got out there, scored an unbelievable goal and run more than anyone else. Do you know what I mean? There's a there's a real sort of it's almost he's almost like a Rocky character, Scotty Parker. He, he just he just finds ways to do it. And I mean he won football writers player of the year in a team that got relegated. <laughs> so um, you're right, uh, I forgot about that. He's 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 quite some man. Um so there was always that that sort of belief that he was going to go on to do it. And I mean, I got to see some of his teams that he set up at Spurs with their under-18s, which was great. And you could tell he was going to be be very good. And obviously, he's done unbelievable this season with Fulham. Uh, Matty Wells as well, he took from Spurs with him. And for me, he's probably the best-dressed manager on the sideline yeah. at the moment. Bar none, bar none. Without no, a doubt. Gray, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit boring. Pepe Bordelas, the Hatafe manager, if you get a chance to see him. He's yeah. as handy <laughs> as you'll come, but Scott Parker's Scott Parker's ne- ne- the hair is never going to go away. He's always going to have great hair. Nah, he's he's going to be fantastic. But he's just um, he's just a classy guy on and off the pitch, on and off the pitch, and I'm excited to see how he does now with Fulham this season. So, yeah. What kind of coach is Jack Collison? Uh, enthusiastic. <laughs> I think I think with me, Kev, I um, I love the game. I'm completely in love with the game. I'm excited every morning to go in and set up and pull the goals around and put the cones out and just make it look beautiful for when the boys come in because I want them to be excited when they come in as well. Um, and certainly when I coach, yeah, I'm very enthusiastic. Uh, I want players to play with freedom. I don't want them to be scared. I want them to take risks. I want them to make mistakes because they're the managers that I enjoy playing for. Uh I never want a team to play safe. I'd rather try and score five or six goals and, and concede three or four than, and sort of play out for a boring one nil. And it might change over time, maybe when there's a bit more pressure on me and do you know what I mean? You're playing for relegation or things like that. But at the moment, I want it to be fast-paced. I want it to be exciting. And I want all the players to in, enjoy pitting a shirt on every day in training and, and certainly on a match day. Well, I know you're loved at Atlanta United. All the players that talk about you the younger guys coming through, you've been a big influence on them. So fair play to you, um, Jack. You know, Before we wrap up, is there a book? Because I know you've been, been reading an awful lot. Is there an inspiring book, something to give someone a lift that you've checked out recently? Yeah, do you know what, Kev? I've been doing, I've been doing as much as I can over, obviously, the pandemic. And um, probably the, it's quite cliche. I mean, but I've actually, we've been doing book club with my under 17. So we've been reading right. Legacy. Yeah, it's been great legacy about the all blacks and it's just mini little lessons um it's it's fantastic though the most successful professional sports team of all time um 
That's, it's funny, when I introduced the book to the boys, not one of them knew who the All Blacks were. <laughs> not one lad knew who the All Blacks were. So obviously a bit of education around that. But it's one that I've loved reading. Um, definitely trying to be a coach. Just just some of the stuff they, they take out of it. And just the focus on the person as well as as well as the sports person and trying to create good people and, and good leaders and, and things like that. So it's been great for my young lads. Certainly something I've enjoyed enjoyed doing with them. And hopefully we've got a few more All Blacks fans now over here in the US. Yeah, exactly. And Georgia, well, congratulations <laughs> on all your success so far, both on and off the pitch now on the sidelines, Coach and Jack. You're an inspiration for everything you've been through. You come out smiling on the other end and inspiring younger players coming through. So thanks so much for the time, buddy. Thanks for having us, Kev. Jack Collison, absolute gentleman, really appreciated him opening up like that about the tough times, but also the fun times with Gareth Bale and the likes of Scotty Parker. Over the next few weeks, we're talking to the very highest level guests from broadcaster at ESPN to world famous DJ and one of the best boy bands you've ever heard, one of their members, joins me to chat about the beautiful game and the career that that person has had. So looking forward to it. Thanks as always for the love. We shall speak to you soon. Take care.